sent a message on this the steward of God's kingdom. Amen. Our main scripture is taken from First Corinthians chapter four. Verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. So it says, it's required of steward that a man be faithful. So faithfulness is a key to a person who God, moreover, it is required in steward that one be found faithful. Amen. And the steward is somebody that has been entrusted with something to keep and also to preserve in order to glorify the person who has, he has given the, the person has given the person, the thing to. And to be faithful means that you should be reliable, steadfast, committed, diligent, and unwavering. The Bible speaks about four ways in which we can be faithful. And the first one is what? About God's faithfulness. God does things which he always plans to do. And most of the times he does the, impos- the things which are impossible. In First Kings chapter 8 verse 56, it says that not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave. It means that everything that he has promised in this word is always fulfilled. And we can see it in a lot of things that he has done for us. The Bible recalls a lot of wonderful promises that he gave. And he has also fulfilled it. Amen. And also, secondly, when people work consistently with God in humble service to him, he or she can be called a faithful person. In Nehemiah chapter 7 verse 2, two people were testified by Nehemiah to be people who were God-fearing and faithful. Ananiah and also... Anani and Anania, in the Mark chapter 7 verse 2, they were people who were called faithful because they were doing things consistently in the fear of God. They were doing things which were, was glorifying God. Amen. And finally, faithfulness is also the gift of the Holy Spirit. As in Galatians chapter 5 verse 2, verse 22. Faithfulness is one of the gifts of the Spirit. But one thing we have to know is that even though we have the fruit, we need to abound more in it. Or mature in it. And we mature by yielding to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. As in Luke chapter 19, verse 17, he says that even when we are faithful with the little things which are small, or the small things, God will also entrust greater things to us. So we should be faithful with the things that are placed before us. In little things which we don't really fancy, we must be faithful with it. Amen. And one thing we also have to know is that the first job that God gave to mankind was to what? To be steward of the creation, the things that he has made. And that job has not rescinded. We are still called to what? The people who are stewards of the blessings, the inheritance, and everything that God has placed within us. But my scripture, my focus today will be on qualities of a faithful steward. Qualities of a faithful steward. The first quality is that a faithful steward has a deep relationship with God. 
And there is a scripture in Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 3. It says, Josiah saw the Lord while he was yet young. In this Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 3. Can you please read it? But the main thing was that he saw the Lord while he was yet young. The Bible records that on his eighth year of his reign, he was eight years when he became a king. But in his eighth year, the Bible says that he saw the Lord. So he was around 16 years. He saw the Lord. And in Acts chapter 22, it records about Paul. It gave an history about how he became so. He was giving a test, testimony. So he said that when he was going on his road to Damascus, he, he saw a light. And Jesus asked him that, why are you? Acts chapter 22, verse 8. Can you please read? So Paul asked, so he said, so I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. The first question Paul asked Jesus is that, who are you? And I believe that is a question that we must all ask. It means that we must know, have a personal relationship with God. If you don't have any revelation, you don't have any personal relationship with Him, it might be very difficult for you to follow Him. The Bible says that those that know they are God, they, are, they stand strong and they do exploits. Amen. And if you look in Daniel, there were people who they had a relationship with God. And because of that, they were able to do a lot of wonderful things. The Bible records that the purpose in their heart that they will not defile themselves. If you read in Daniel chapter 1. So because of their relationship with God, they were able to understand the things that are pleasing to God. They didn't work based on their own counsel or their own wisdom. So it is very, very key that we have a, we develop a relationship with God. And the second question, if you read in the verse 10, it talks about what do you want me to do? He asked the question that what do you want me to do? So as you get to know Jesus, as you get to know him through his word, there is another task there's a, there's a question that you must ask him. That God, what, what have you made me for? What have you made me for? Until you answer that question, it means that you are not really existing. Because God created you for his own pleasure. He created you for his own purpose. Amen. Romans chapter 11 verse 36. In the easy English version, it says that it is God who made all things. It is God who causes all things to continue. And the purpose of all things is to show how great God is. Everyone should... Say, how great God is, always. We were created for God's purpose and for his pleasure. We do not, not exist as people for our own pleasure. So it means that before we become faithful, we, might, we have to know the purpose giver. This building was not constructed by chance. There was a purpose behind the building. So God made you for his glory, amen, and for his pleasure. So before you become what a faithful steward, you must what? Know the reason why you have been created. But first, you must develop a relationship with God. The Bible talks about... In Psalm 25 verse 14, it says that the intimate counsel of the Lord is for those who fear Him, so that they may know His covenant. It's for those who reverence Him, people who have dedicated their lives to know Him. So the more you get closer to Him, He will reveal things to you. If you are not connected to him, you will not know. The Bible says that, if you read in John chapter 15, 
He talks about the vine and its branches. He says that if you remain in me and my word remain in you, you will produce fruit. Amen. So we need to connect ourselves to God. The Bible talks about a lot of people who what, dedicated their lives to God. And God used them mightily. And if we read in the books of Acts, it talks about a lot of people being filled with the Spirit of God. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 25, it admonishes us that since we live by the Spirit, by the Spirit let us also be guided. So the more we get connected to God, His Spirit leads us. His Spirit will direct us unto the things that are what? That concerns Him. The Bible says that it is He that worketh in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So before you find your purpose, you must what? Connect yourself to God. You must connect yourself to Jesus. Amen. And secondly, a faithful steward seeks to please his master. And he sees his gifts, abilities, work, etc. as a trust. God has endowed all of us with gifts. We have our spiritual gifts. We have our, the things that we are passionate about. We have our abilities. We have our personality. We have our experiences and all those things. Those things come to shape us. God made me unique. He also made you unique. That's why we have unique DNA. So God's purpose for your life is also different from mine. But all those things come to what? Glorify God. Everything that you, are, you have been given is not for you. A faithful person sees this at what? A trust that God has given to him. So he or she must use it to what? Glorify God. If you think that your money is yours, I'm sorry to tell you that really it's not yours. Amen. Moses told the Israelites that it is God who gives the ability for people to become rich. It is not your own wisdom. It is God who has given you that wisdom. So you must see everything that you have been given what? As a trust. Something that God will demand. You must be accountable for it. That is why Jesus gave parable about the, the, the talent. That they were, the people were given talent and those people would employ their talent for various uses. And they were made what? Account for the talent that they were given. So God is expecting us, uh, uh, the gift that we have been given, our abilities, our personalities, some of the experiences that we have gone through, should be something that will, what, will help us to become what, faithful stewards. All those things are there for our own use. And not for our own pleasure. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 to 17, Paul mentions something. He says that, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about. For this is the obligation that has been entrusted to me. How terrible it would be for me if I didn't preach the gospel. For if I preach voluntarily, I get a reward. But if I'm unwilling to do it, I still, I'm still entrusted with that obligation. So Paul saw that God, the gifting of, or the ability for him to preach was not basically something that he would just fancy or something that he can just boast about. But he saw it as something that has been entrusted to him. I believe that a lot of us have unique gifts. And in the Bible, there were a lot of people who were, were given a lot of unique gifts. Some were able, to, were able to draw, paint, and do a lot of wonderful things. And God uses all these things for his own pleasure. Amen. And the third point is that we must... A steward of God also has a pure motives. A motive is the underlying reason for we acting in a way. A lot of us do a lot of eye-pleasing when we come into the house of God to fellowship, to do things for God. 
Some of us see that we are, it's like we are just doing things just to let, to let people know that we are also spiritual. But God is not demanding that. A faithful person knows that this is an obligation. I'm doing it because I love God. The Bible says in Matthew chapter, in John chapter 14 verse 15, that if you love me, what? Obey my commandments. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says that it is, we have made what? God workmanship. He has created us for what? For his own pleasure. Amen. For his purpose. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he has called us to do. So we don't seek our own pleasure in doing anything. If you are here and your motive is that, let me do this, so that people will know that I'm also doing something. It's not really right. The motivation is wrong. Amen. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, he says that, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people in order to be noticed by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. If you do, you have no reward from your, for your Father in heaven. God is looking at everything that we do. And our motive should be pure. Because we seek what? To glorify Him, not for people. Or to get a benefit. The reason why a lot of people are not flourishing in their ministry is that they don't have pure motives. So a little offense, then they'll get tired. They'll feel like, oh, let me not come to church again. Or when they fall sick, and even the pastor don't even at least check up on them, they feel like, oh, the church doesn't love me. But if you have a motive that if I come here, I come here to serve God. My purpose is to glorify God with the gift that He has given me, the talent. You enjoy the fellowship. The Bible says that we should serve the Lord with gladness. Amen. And even the mere recorded that word, the joy of the Lord is my strength. We should have some kind of joy when serving God because we know that we are serving the highest person. This is a great privilege. It's the highest calling that anybody can partake in. So God is calling us that we should check our motives. We should examine our motives. Amen. To align with his motives. In Acts chapter 3, verse 12 to 13, when Peter saw the opportunity, he addressed the crowd. He says that Israel must hear that this man stands healthy before you because of the name Jesus from Nazareth, whom you have crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. is the stone that was rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. When Peter healed the, the man at the beautiful gate, the man who could not walk. And they were showering praises for him. He told them that God, the reason for him doing this is because of Jesus. And it was the power that came from him. He did not seek to what, glorify himself. He's God. He lifted a praise to what, Jesus. So that should be our motive. Anything that we do must what, bring glory to God, not ourselves. Amen. And the fourth part is about we were being selfless and sacrificial. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, Paul says something. He said that, Although I am free from everyone's expectation, I have made myself a servant to all, to them, to all of them, to win more of them. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says that, But I do not place value on my life. If only I can finish the race, the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus, of testifying of the gospel of God's grace. Paul was somebody that I really admire very much. He was somebody who did a lot of wonderful things. And you could see that his motivation and also he was really selfless in everything that he did. He was very selfless. He says that what I do not place value on my life. 
A lot of us sometimes place value on ourselves. And because of that, we find it difficult to do some, a lot of things in the house of God. But he says that what? He does not put value on himself. He says that he has become all things to all men, so that he might win some. So if we want to put ourselves first, it becomes very difficult. We must be selfless. And we must also be sacrificial. We must go to the extent. The Bible says that greater love as this, that what? A man who laid down his life for what? His brothers. We serve God by what? Serving others. If you read in First Peter chapter... It talks about we using our gift to serve others. Amen. So, Paul was somebody who, what, as I mentioned, he was sacrificial. He did not what, place value on his life. And he was able to do a lot of wonderful things. The Bible speaks about that Jesus himself demonstrated it. If we read in Philippians chapter 2, he says that what, even though he was in the form of God, he got he did not what? He made himself of no reputation and he took the form of what? A bond servant. A bond servant is somebody who, even though he has been given the privilege to be set free, he has made himself that, mm, I will stay with my master, with my family, because I enjoy the service of what? My master. So he's somebody who has given himself fully to the master. So Jesus what? Became like that. He says that what? Even though he was in the form of God, he did not consider robbery. He made himself of no reputation, coming in the form of a, a born servant. So because of that, God has highly exalted him. So if we want God to bless us, we want to attain promotion and all of things in life, we must God lay down ourselves. We must not put value or place value on ourselves. Everything that we have is what? A gift that God has given to us. So we don't need to just do anything by our own what? Pleasure. We must be able to what, lay down ourselves, amen, for the master's purpose. Amen. The Bible mentions something in Mark chapter 8, verse 35. It says that whoever has desire to keep his life will have it taken from him. And whoever gives up his life because of me and the good news will keep it or find true life. Amen. Jesus wants to, wants to give us true life. He wants to give us true life. The pleasures of this life cannot satisfy us fully. It cannot what, fulfill us. The Bible says that, if you read in Psalm 16 verse 11, it says that what, in His presence there is fullness of joy. And at His right hand there are pleasures forevermore. If you want to enjoy the fullness of life, it's when we what, work in God's presence. It's when we surrender ourselves to Him. Amen. And the pleasures are what, forevermore. The things that are here are temporal. The pleasures that we enjoy in this life, they are just temporal. But God wants us to be faithful stewards. He wants us to what? Set our eyes on what? The things that are above. So because of that, if we are doing the work here, we will not find ourselves wanting. We what? Sacrifice ourselves. We will sacrifice ourselves. And one thing you have to know is that it's not really about doing anything extraordinary. The Bible even records that if you give a little water to the little one of these, you have done something great in God's kingdom. You don't need to be endowed with a lot of wonderful gifts before you can excel in God's kingdom. You just need to have the heart to meet a need. If you see something wrong, you must be compelled. And I'm, I believe that God has placed it in your heart to meet those needs. So anything that, what, anything that comes your way, anything that you see, 
you should not have something within you. Something must drive you. It's not really about you having an extraordinary gift. A lot of us envy the gifts of people. Because of that, we cannot what, flourish. God has made you unique. And the gift that he has given you is also unique to meet a cause. So God is charging us tonight. Amen. That we should set our priorities right. Our focus should be on him. Our motive should be pure. We should also be, we should also be steadfast in our service to him. Because that is when we receive our reward. And one thing you have to know, finally, I want, to, I want to win, that at the end of your life, you will be evaluated and rewarded based on how well you handle what God has entrusted to you. That means that everything that has been entrusted to you, you God will give value, even household chores, the things that we do normally and we do casually. The Bible records that even if you are able to become faithful with the little things, there will be greater promotion. God will open greater doors for you. So I'm charging all of us, amen, in the name of the Lord, that we should give ourselves holy, amen, in service and steadfastness towards him. I enjoy this song, this hymn, a chance to keep our have, a God to glorify, a never dying soul to save, and fit it for the sky, to serve the present age, my calling to fulfill. Oh, may it all, my powers engage to do my master's will, amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bless your holy name for this wonderful word that you have brought to our heart. We pray, Lord, that you grant us the strength and also the, the enablement to be able to act based on the word that you have given to us. We pray, Lord, that your spirit will continue to reveal this truth into our hearts. There will be people who are faithful stewards in your kingdom. Because we know that at the end of the day, Lord, it is only the works that we've done for you that will matter. We glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanksgiving. Amen. These are many blessings. <clears throat> okay. First of all, I would like to thank the leadership of the church and then our youth leadership for giving me this honor to share the word of God today. Please let's pray. Father, I thank you this evening. I glorify your name. Thank you, O oh Lord, for this opportunity to share your word. I pray that, Lord, you give me all chance and then you let your word penetrate into our hearts so we can effect- effectively live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I'll continue from where our brother left. And um, I'll be talking about living as a faithful kingdom steward. So I'll be dealing with responsibilities as a steward, faithful steward. We will look at rewards. And then we will take some little time to pray as the Holy Spirit will help us. Amen. So we will um, establish the fact that the earth is the Lord. God owns all of us. Psalm 24, verse 1. He owns everything in the earth. And since we are here, He owns our life and everything. Amen. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. Amen. So our lives are not of our own. We are servants of the Most High. Amen. Psalm 89, verse 11. Psalm 89, verse 11. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all its fullness. Amen. You have founded them. Let's look at Revelation chapter 4, 11. 
You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So Lord, the Lord owns us everything on the earth, so we cannot live on our own. When you don't give your life to Christ and you are just a person without Christ, you live for yourself. Your money, your everything is for yourself. But when Christ comes into your life, you are a different being. He now takes charge of everything. So we'll be looking at responsibilities as a faithful kingdom steward, what God expects of us with our time, our bodies, our talents, our money, and our resources, especially we, the young ones. Amen. Matthew 25, 14-30, the parable of the talent. It's quite long, but we'll try and reach. Matthew 25, 14-30. But the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he, he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his lost money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done. Good and faithful servants, you were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talents in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, 
even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servants into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. God is a businessman. Um, servant number three is not profitable. He, he gives us um, our talents and everything so that we can make business. We can yield results. Amen. Let's look at time, how we manage our time as young people and adults. Amen. Um, do we get opportunities? Do opportunities come our way for us to do something for God, especially to talk to someone about Christ? Do we let it go easily? Are we discerning enough? Are we, do we listen to the Holy Ghost? How do we utilize our time? in preaching the gospel, in living for Christ. When the uh, master went away, seven number three thought it's a long time. There is so much time so he can do something else. He decided to hide the money or the talent in the ground. Probably he was hoping that the master will not come at all so he can use the money, um, the talent for something else. But the master came at a time that he didn't expect so, I think he wasn't living for God. He, wasn't, he was living in his own moment and not having eternity in mind. Amen. So, we ought to have eternity in mind. We ought to utilize our time praying and hoping and waiting that Christ is coming again. Amen. With our bodies, how do we use our bodies to glorify God? Looking at Joseph in the Bible... Um, Genesis 39:9, a man who has gone through so much and living in the house of his master. His master has entrusted into him everything except the wife. And yes, the wife still wanted to find fault with him. He wanted to push him to do something against God. Genesis 39:9. So he said, "There is no one greater in this house than I." Nor has he kept back anything from me. He's talking about his master. Nor has he kept anything back from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Amen. He yielded his body to Christ. He yielded his body to God. He didn't want to sin against God with his body. He wanted his his body to glorify God. Neither did he want anyone close to him to also um, sin against God with his body. He could have helped the wife of the master to sin. It was an opportunity to also say that, oh, okay, you can do it. We can do it together. But no, since I will not yield my body to Satan, neither would I allow you to also yield your body to Satan. Amen. We want to glorify God with our body. We want to live for God. What about those close to us? Do we help them to glorify their body? Or we leave them and say that it is their own business? Even when they are telling us that it's not your business, do we still stay in our corner and say that it's not our business? So we will not pray for them. We can be in our corner. If they ask us to be in our corner, it's not your business. The Holy Spirit, there's no limitation to the power of the Holy Ghost. So if you pray, God can help such people. Amen. So we ought to help people who want to live for Satan. We ought to help them come out of it. Amen. With our money, in our tithes, um, especially 
we the young ones, most of us are not working, so we don't see why we should pay tight. But I think we receive money from our parents, we receive money from other people, and we can gather and then make 10% of that and give unto God. It will amaze you how God will blow your mind in terms of finance. If you are faithful to God in terms of your money, it will really surprise you. It's like you are sowing seed now, and in the future you will see the manifestation. Amen. With our resources, something amazed me so much in John chapter 6, verse 9, where the boy that Jesus used um, the five loaves of bread and the two fish, fishes to feed the crowd. He was a little boy, and he was the only one who had something for Christ to use. Um, Jesus, they were looking for food, right? They were looking for something to feed the crowd. Jesus asked Philip. Andrew was the one who recommended the boy. The boy could have run away with the resource that Jesus needed at that time. He's a little boy. It's a large crowd. And it looked like, I think, it looked like the, before they can get any food to feed the crowd, they have to travel a distance. And this is the only boy who has something. And I think that was his lunch. He could have just run away. He's a little boy, so the crowd is just simple. Run away with it and go into some way. And then later on, he will come and experience the miracles that Jesus was performing. And looking at him, it looks like he's a dedicated person. He was also following Christ to see miracles and to experience the power of God. Amen. He yielded his resources. He yielded his lunch for the use of God. Amen. He allowed himself to be used for God. And before Christ, before the miracle, Jesus prayed over the um, fishes and then the bread. And then he gave thanks to God. So look at the blessing following this boy. Because he was able to yield his resources for Christ to use. Christ is thanking God because of him. And will heaven not surprise him? Will heaven not bless him? If we are able to use our resources to bless people, if people are thanking us because we have yielded ourselves with our resources, why won't God bless us? Why will we lack in anything at all? God is not a wicked man. Though we are unfaithful, yet he is faithful. If we are faithful, he is faithful. And even when we are not faithful, he is still faithful. We should be faithful in giving our resources for God to use. In fact, the boy's story is so... It has, it's so I don't know, but it's such an inspiration that... <laughs> Christ is thanking God for his resources. He yielded his resources. Amen. So we also look at the rewards of being living as a faithful steward. What God will give unto us. He gives us honor. 
God honors us when we are faithful to him. Matthew 24:45. Matthew chapter 24 verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Who then is a faithful servant? Who is a wise servant? The one whom his, his master, he will give him rulership over his household. And I saw that in Genesis as well, that blessing followed Joseph throughout, even when he was in prison. The one in charge of the prison kept Joseph in charge of the prisoners. So it's like everywhere he went, he was in charge of God's resources. He was in charge of the people there. He managed, in fact, we are supposed to be managers as he was. He managed them. Amen. Daniel and his friends. His friends, I think, before they were casted into the fire, I think they were between maybe 10 to 30. So young people who have decided, taken the decision to live for God. Amen. God honored them in knowledge. God honored them with wisdom. And they were always rising through the ranks as young people. It's like every government that came, they were in it. So they were not political. They were not belonging to any political party or anything. So everywhere, they are there. Because of what? Because God was with them in wisdom, in every ability. They were looking for them. They were not those running after positions. No. Positions were running after them. Titles were chasing them. Amen. We will be admitted into the presence of God when we are faithful to Him. We will be admitted into the presence of God. Always you find yourself um, with God, fellowshipping with God, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, praying. Amen. And then, elevation, promotion, Acts chapter 1, 20 to 26, about Matthias, when um, Judas misbehaved, he had to be replaced with another disciple so that there would still be 12. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it. And let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day, when he was taken up from us, one of these must overcome a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed to Joseph called Basabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen. 25. To take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Amen. Matthias, 
Matthias wasn't performing miracles like Peter did. He wasn't preaching. We only heard about him here, beginning from here, when they casted the lot and he had to be numbered amongst the twelve, among the eleven, making twelve. He was just following Christ. He was serving Christ. He was serving the apostles. He wasn't recognized. He wasn't seen as someone um, worthy. He was just following. But when it came a time where they had to cast a lot to choose someone, they chose Matthias and Justice, and they had to cast a lot on the two. And they prayed that they prayed for the, um, God knowing the heart of all to choose the right person between the two. This one is for someone who feels he has been faithful to God. He has been faithful to God or to his master in the house or to any other person who at work. But it's like God is not doing anything. Expectations are not met. Disappointments everywhere. And you feel God is not listening or God is not with you or you just, you just want to give up. But God watches from above. From the beginning of the 20, it's been said in the Old Testament, like something like that will happen. They have to select someone. It's written in the book of Psalms. Let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. And let another take his office. So heaven was waiting for someone <laughs> whose heart is right with God to add to the 11 baking of Amen. Heaven has been wondering, heaven has been waiting for the man who has the right heart, the man who has been following God, the man who has been waiting for so long. And when the elevation came, it didn't come as, it came as an apostleship. That's the highest office. Apostleship. Matthias was just promoted like that. Just up. He was surprised himself, I think so, that he would be (laughs) raised to that level. So he got recognized as an apostle after so much waiting. The scripture said that he's been following them for a very long time. From the baptism of Christ to the resurrection. That's from the beginning of the ministry of Christ to the resurrection. So every step on the way, every miracle, everywhere that Christ was going, he was there. But we never heard of him, that Matthias was there, Matthias participated in this, Matthias was with Peter, Matthias, no, 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 no. We only heard about him. When the time came for heaven to choose someone to do the work of God, amen. I pray that we don't give up on our faith. If we are faithful to God, God will surely be faithful to us, amen. Please, let's rise up and pray. God is not a man that he should lie. He is faithful in all things. Let us thank God for the word of God today. Thanking him for his presence with us. And thanking him for sowing his word unto us. That he will remain faithful. That he will help us to wait on him. That he will help us to be faithful to him. That we will not give up. We will not say that Christ is not coming soon, so we will just live our lives anyhow. We will not say that people are making fun of us. They are asking us, why are you still being a Christian? Because you don't have a car. You don't have a house. That's the 
evidence that Christ is really with you. You should be living a posh life. That's the evidence that Christ is with you. And when it happens like that, you tell them that, no, <laughs> that Christ, he being with you, he talking with you, he walking with you, is enough for you. Amen. Talk to God. Talk to God that he will help you to be faithful, that he will help you to be faithful to him.